The MLB Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee and Virginia. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a $500 risk-free sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit. Receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com, promo code SGP. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Sign up at UnderdogFantasy.com with promo code SGPN and receive a free $25 entry to use in Best Ball Mania 2 for a chance to win $1 million. Welcome, everybody, to the Sports Gambling Podcast. And this is the MLB Gambling Podcast with myself, Malcolm Bamford, in Newcastle, England. And joining me, as always, is Munaf Manji in Houston, Texas. Hopefully, we're going to have a special guest, a real special guest in a little while, just to up the uh, up the accents on tonight's show. Uh, <laughs> but firstly, we'll head across to Houston uh, and join our man in Texas, Munaf Manji. Munaf, good evening. How are you? Good evening, sir. Uh, a little quiet on the MLB front, huh? I, I, I thought, you no, know, last when we got off for the last show, I thought we'd have to bring a little, a little noise, maybe with our special guest. But uh, yeah, it's kind of been quiet. I know we were talking about it uh, offline and not much going on, but some of these division races are tightening up a little bit, to to say the least. Yeah, we said last week that it was kind of the calm before the storm, and yeah. you know what? It just seems like it's suddenly got a bit serious. Is mm-hmm. that right? Okay. Now the fit, you can just kind of make out the finish line for the first time. We're down to um, round about 50 games. Um, it's almost like a little mini season like we had last year, like that little 60-game sprint. And where a couple of months ago we were concerned that um, five of the six divisions had gone real choggy, and that's not the case anymore. Yeah. All of a sudden, um, there's probably only... Well, I don't know. I mean, we go through them in a little while, but uh, there might be only one or two that have... Uh, that have gotten real chalk at the minute. I think the White Sox, um, and maybe that's about it. So the teams have made this competitive, um, and I think we're in for a we're in for a real roller coaster, Munaf, uh, over the next few weeks. But it just it does just seem to have suddenly just focused. Everyone's just sort of let's bear down a little bit, um, and the 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 um, the level the level of intensity has just gone gone up uh, just enough and it's uh, and yeah it's getting exciting now moving off I'm getting right into it yeah I mean we talked about last week with the NL East division and now the American League East has, or American League East has flipped like we didn't talk about that when I talk about the Red Sox that Astros division is now down to one and a half games for the A's and the Astros so things are tightening up a little bit um, and we've talked about the NL West all season long, how that's probably going to come down to the uh, final month or so or final week or so. But like you mentioned offline, that the Giants just, they're not going to give up. Yeah. Um, sorry, getting a few gremlins in the system there, Muna. Um no the Giants are they're just going along. You look at the standings, um, and some of them seem a little bit further away. The Dodgers seem to be going along okay. And then the, you look at that last 10 for San Francisco, and it's 8-2 and two with a streak of 1-4. Uh, the lead is 4.5, the lead over the Padres, who we were kind of expecting uh, to overhaul them as well as the Dodgers. And now 8 behind. Um, really, it's uh, like we say, it's the White Sox, um, who are 10.5 games up. And the Brewers, who were eight games up, and even Cincinnati aren't quite out of that. Uh, Cincinnati have been on a well; they've lost three, uh, but before that, they put a right streak together. Um, so they'd kind of got to within touch and distance of Milwaukee. But those two um, look kind of wrapped up. But like you say, Oakland will not go away. Oakland have put seventeen runs up tonight. Yeah. Uh, they beat Cleveland seventeen to nothing. Um, Philly and Atlanta and the Mets. You could throw a blanket over. Uh, as we spoke about last week. Um, and then the division we're going to talk about hopefully tonight in a little while uh, with our guest, the ALE. So 
Um, yeah, lots of things are, are a lot more open. And it's just saying, this is what we want. This is exactly what we need um, yeah. as sports fans, as baseball fans, and uh, more importantly, as betters, uh, as DGENs. We, we want things to be able to get our teeth into. So, yeah, looking forward to certainly the uh, the run in here. Um, our picks uh, last week, Moonaf, mixed bag. It was, it was kind of 50-50 all the way down the line. There was a... There was an absolute pattern. It was um, three lock wins uh, and three dog losses, um, which is kind of par for the course. Um, do you want to take us through yourself and Scott's? Yeah, uh, I'll start off with Scott's. Uh, he had an easy winner last night between the Brewers and the uh, Cubs. Uh, I'm not sure if you caught this, but uh, Corbin Burns... Uh, he struck out 10 in a row, and I believe that tied the MLB record for most strikeouts by a pitcher. Did you? I don't yeah, know, I think did he, you he finished that? with 15 on the night. I know I played him in DFS and obviously logged on this morning uh, to see he'd scored a gazillion points. So he'd obviously done something special. Um, but yeah, the, um, with regard to the Cubs, I mean, they're, they're virtually at this point unbackable. Uh, yeah. The recent record is absolutely in the bin. They're 1-9 for the last 10. They've lost seven in a row. Um, they got duffed up last night, as you say, Scott. Had them. They are currently, as we record, Moonaf, 13-1 behind uh, against the Brewers. So, and you did that lineup just looks so insipid. And tonight was a Kyle Hendricks night. Tonight mm-hmm. was the night where um, Hendricks normally gives them a chance. Um, he got shelled as well. Um, so, just to... A, a perma feed of the Cubs, I think, at this point. Yeah, and I mean, uh, you know, it's it's bad times for the Cubs. I think we were per, we were kind of projecting that with when they decided to trade away their three best bats with Rizzo, Bryant, and uh, Baez. But easy win for Scott there, and then uh, his dog. This is this this is this is this pick by him tells you that we don't share notes that we don't. Yeah, you know, I was just. I've, do you know what? I've only just uh, set eye on it and his dog was my dog yeah oh he had it for the first five innings um the pirates money line but uh their their bats just didn't show up i'll let you get into the pirates because it was your dog pick also but um you know the if i think if the bats had showing up for him especially i think they were only down two to one going into the sixth inning there so chances there for the pirates but they just didn't come through at least in the first five innings as for myself um it was a tricky situation for me, especially I also back to Brewers uh, on the money line when uh, Freddie Peralta was on the mound. He was supposed to go on Wednesday. It got changed, moved up to Monday. And then Monday got rained out. They went into a doubleheader on Tuesday. So he pitched, I believe, that first game on Tuesday. They got the 4-2 victory there. Um, a bit chalky for you know what we try to give out on the show. I think he was all the way up to like minus 170, minus 180, but... The pitching matchup originally was supposed to be against Hendricks, and that didn't come to fruition. But um, regardless, they still got the victory on uh, Tuesday in game one of that doubleheader. As for my dog, I had the um, Phillies money line last night against the Dodgers. Um, I believe there was a game that was also went into a rain delay, and then um, you know that that's tough on pitchers for them to kind of come out of rain delays and kind of get loose again and and you know get going, but. No excuses here. Uh, the bats again didn't show up for the Phillies. They were in it three to two, but the offense of the Dodgers uh, took over late in the innings. I think Bellinger hit a two-run home run. I think they got the victory. Um, I think it was like eight to two. So um, not not too not not a good day for dogs. I think for us, but uh, your your uh, lock also came through. Yeah, my luck did come through. Um, there's been a lot of rain around this week. It it tends to stymie me in DFS because um, I'll go to bed at maybe midnight or so, just as the games are starting. Um, and if a later game gets rained out, then uh, it buggers me up like, and there's nothing you can do about it. And um, sort of the uh, DraftKings and uh, MLB um, aren't particularly good at sort of getting ahead of the curve there. Uh, so I, a couple of times this week, I found myself stymied by uh, a couple of non-starters due to rain. But um, harking back to the Pirates pick, the um, Brault. Brault was okay. Um, he gave up two homers, but they were both solo shots, which you can live with because we didn't expect Pittsburgh to shut anybody out. I thought they gave up four runs, and I thought that was about right. I thought that made made that game winnable. 
Um, and Hap looked hittable. So on another night, you could expect the, the Pirates to put up a couple of runs. The Pirates, and then you look tonight, it's frustrating. The Pirates have put up six runs tonight. They've lost seven to six. Um, but if they'd done it the other way around, if they've got those uh, hits the other night uh, against Hap. So we weren't a million miles away with the process, but um, the bats just looked anemic. Their lineup was horrible. Um, but yeah, they were 2 1 down and they were in the game, but didn't get it done. Um, but we did pick. Um, and I was pleased with the price on this, actually. It wasn't wasn't a very original pick to take Max Scherzer uh, of the Dodgers against the Phillies. Again, there was there was rain in this, um, but the Dodgers got it done. Uh, this was the night that uh, Trey Turner put his little slide in that's been a little meme. Yeah. Um, it's been all over Twitter and stuff this week. Um, it, it looks great. He just arrives out of nowhere, sort of slides eight yards on one knee and then just uh, pops up to his feet as if it's not a thing. Yeah, that was that was pretty awesome to see. It was all over uh, on on Twitter, and it, it looked so effortless by him. Like it was so like smooth, and uh, like he just got like one hand in on the plate. And, and the, the funny part was, if you kind of follow through and watch the whole thing, his left leg like started like swinging. His left leg started uh, like sliding after he touched it, and he got past the base. But uh, definitely a guy that should be in that MVP conversation in the National League, I think for sure. Yeah, he's outstanding. Um, so yeah, so we got that win five nothing. So yeah, we all we all picked up our looks, and um, we all got turned over in our dogs. So it was one of those things. Um, tally site so far this week. Um, you going along okay? Twenty two and nine, Moonaf. Um, mine's a bit dodgy. It won't load up at the minute. I've been doing okay. I think I was around about fifty percent, but I think he had a good light uh, last night. It's every time I get on a bit of a heater that tends mm. to break it. Um, so. Make it, make it up what you will. Uh, but you've been going along okay, 22 and 9. And I noticed they tweeted out today that, uh, as usual, Will Moorman was top of last week's money meter. I'll give yourself some credit. You were on that list too. Oh, yeah, I was further down though. I mean, oh, no one remembers. On. I was like fourth place or something like that. That It's out of, I think, I don't know how many people that are covering baseball, but you were fourth on the list. I think you're not giving yourself enough credit. Um, yeah, you're, I see right now you're 22 and 13 for the week. Oh, I don't wow. think okay. that's updated today, so, or it may have, but yeah, uh, I'm having a pretty good week, 22 and nine. It's again, been a chalky, chalky week um, for the past couple of weeks. I saw a note, I think prior to starting this week, that the past 73 games, the favorites were like 55 and 18, like covering at 73%. And, you know, especially when we're trying to make our like tally side picks, we're trying to like pick more dogs because your average ROI significantly drops if you lose on a heavy favorite. Um, but uh, yeah, well, I mean, we're all having a great week. Uh, you know, we're right getting up to that 54, 55% mark. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a pretty good week, but I just hate that. It's just been so chalky because especially when you're making picks, you kind of have to lay down a huge price just to make a little bit, but you know, if you're confident about it, I mean, nobody's going to want to back the team like the Orioles right now, or even the Cubs, right? You're not going to lay that price no matter what it is with the Cubs, just because the teams that they're playing, are just so dominating, uh, dominating the, the, the crappier teams you can say, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's definitely been a separation now between teams, like you say, that are virtually unbackled. Um, Baltimore are one who are on a streak of lost seven. Um, then you've got the Cubs have lost seven. The Pirates have lost eight. The D-backs have lost four. Um, and you're seeing a lot of chalk. So even tonight, state, uh, the Brewers were minus 224. Um Baltimore went off minus one fifty favorites. I mean, Seattle, who are a very average, if not below average, team, minus two twenty one uh, against the Rangers. Yeah. Um, San Diego minus two forty three. Uh, San Francisco minus one ninety seven. You weren't getting that earlier in the season. Boston are minus two twenty tomorrow night against Baltimore. You weren't getting that earlier in the season. Uh, it's one of the things about one of the great things about baseball is that the two teams are normally within within a point of each other, but it's, um, it's, it's getting to the point now where these bad teams um, are, are just sort of giving up for the season. And that does make our, our picks harder because you don't want to roll up and dish out a minus 220 and a minus 240. And we've said yeah. before, we don't often have the lines in front of us. Yeah. Um, if it's on a Thursday night and I'm trying to pick Saturday or Sunday, you're trying to predict the lines a little bit. Um, so you do tend, tend to... Um, trying to find a game that you think is going to be a little bit closer. Certainly I do, because 
what's the point in taking um, you, Darvish, against some uh, Jordan Niles or someone? You know, they're just going to be yeah. they're going to be minus two fifty. So um, it's getting harder to pick. It's it sounds counterintuitive because um, it should be it's easier to pick winners because there are more obvious winners. Uh, but it's 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 harder to pick more value stuff and stuff that we want to give out here as picks. Yeah. And, you know, that's the tough part. Like you mentioned, like when we're making our picks, you know, whether it's on Sunday night or like tonight on Thursday night for the weekend, like we don't have the actual, you know, the lines in front of us. So sometimes it can come out to be, you know, minus 200, minus 175, minus 180, or, you know, we try to do our best to find out those chalky picks, but, you know, like you mentioned, some of the, the, the crappier teams that have kind of given up for the season, it seems like those are almost like free money by the books, especially as of late when we've been talking about how, overwhelming favorites have been covering at, you know, 70 plus percent. So, um, you know, it's just one of those things that, that happens at, at this juncture of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, week's news again, as, uh, as the season seems to be focusing now um, on what's going on on the field and these, these pennant races, uh, there seems to be a bit less fluff uh, around the league, a bit less silliness for us to talk about. Um First one is one of your boys, though, Moonaf, and it was uh, Carlos Rodon, the White Sox uh, pitcher, yeah. who's been uh, a revelation this season. Um, and he's headed to the IL. I don't think it's too serious, Moonaf. No, I think it was only, when I saw it, I think it was only like 10 days with some arm soreness, sorry. Um, so they're probably just, you know, giving him, you know, some time off because he's been pitching a lot of innings. And I think he's probably made almost every start this season. So you, you run into those times where some of these pitchers kind of need uh, the, the inflammation, you know, comes up and then, you know, you have arm soreness when you're pitching this many innings. So uh, hopefully nothing too serious for them because they literally just got their entire team. They're healthy again, right. The, you know, uh, Eloy Jimenez, their, their batters are all back. Um, hopefully they don't want anything too serious happening to their pitching rotation because it is one of the best in the American league. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the next thing um, on our list of things to talk about, I've just had to do a live check that it's still accurate because um, we've got um, Miguel <laughs> Cabrera of the Tigers uh, on 499 home runs. Uh, well, they're playing as we speak and have scored six runs uh, so far uh, against the Orals. So I was just having a little check that he hadn't hit his 500th homer while we've been talking, but it was uh, Robbie Grossman and Candelario and somebody else uh, have hit the runs there. So uh, Cabrera's sitting on 499, but he's enjoying a little purple patch at the minute, and it's really nice to watch. Uh, I think we mentioned him, uh, the amount of... Um, swings he'd taken without missing uh, there was no no whiffs at all recently um and he's a he's a fun player to watch seems like a very nice man um and in a, a little uh, indian summer uh, for his career moon yeah i think he probably wants to get this done uh at at comerica park in detroit right because he's just been there for so long and being in front of the fans and doing it there i think it would be a lot of a lot of fun to see that and i think you hit the nail on the head that seems like one of the nicer guys he loves the you know you, you could just tell like there's some players out there that just you know i'm sure they all love playing the game but when they're actually playing the game you can see like guys like miguel cabrera that just just love being out there and his swing is just so nice and pure that um he's just on the brink of getting 500 career home runs so hopefully he gets it done this weekend yeah, one of the one of the highlights of the season aesthetically was him hitting that homer in the snow. Yeah, uh, I think it was opening day, maybe with the first uh, the first homer of this season, yeah, uh, and so. watching him trot the bases in the in the blizzard uh, was quite satisfying. Um, another kind of an old name to conjure with um, is Chris Davis of the Orioles. Um, in this. This is a bloke who I knew about, um, mm. but I had to have a I had to have another look, kind of at his uh, at his career resume, and it's a really odd one because he went from absolute hero uh, to absolute zero. Uh, the reason <laughs> we're talking about him is that he's announced his retirement uh, today from uh, from Baltimore from baseball uh, due to injuries and things like that. Um, but what an odd career Chris Davis had, Moonaf. Yeah, it's uh, for, for Chris uh, Davis. I mean, he I think, you know, early on in his career before he was dealing with all the injuries, you know, he was a great bat. I think, you know, a power guy um, trying to kind of pull up his stats here and see how he was doing early on. In his oh, yeah, career. I just look in here. He had um, oh, two, 
2012. Uh, sorry, 33 homers in 2012. Mm-hmm. Then he had 53 homers. Yeah. Drove in 138 that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, all-star year. Uh, third in the MVP. Uh, 47 homers the year after that. Um, then he signed a, the seven-year, $161 million contract. And then that was kind of it. And then he absolutely fell off a cliff. He always struck out a bit. Yeah. Um, but then he had a, a MLB high in strikeouts in consecutive years, which is quite a good effort, uh, 15 and 16. And I just where he came onto my radar first was uh, 2018. And mm. there was 54 consecutive at-bats without a hit. Yeah. Going from September was a wraparound streak that went from September to the end of the season and then all the way through uh, to the end of April the following year. I mean, and I remember him uh, getting, when he did break the streak, um, sort of jokingly asking for the ball to be thrown over to the dugout so that everyone <laughs> could sign the ball and stuff. Yeah, and uh, I was familiar with uh, with Chris Davis because he is in the AL East, AL East division. Um, but like you mentioned, I mean, after that, that 2016 season, or we can say that 2017 season, uh, he just kind of fell off the ropes and, you know, things just kind of really went south for him. And you could just t- kind of take a look. His batting average really wasn't there since even that 2014 season. He had one great season where he was at 262 in 2015. But from 2016 on, 221, 215, 168, 179, and then in a handful of games last year, 115. So, um, you know, I guess there comes to a point in time for, you know, players – that deal with these type of injuries and, and it, it, they kind of know it's time to maybe hang up the cleats. But um, yeah, I mean, early on in his career, that kind of that, that, that point where he was hitting, you know, home runs at, you know, 33, 53, 26, that was really his prime years. And he was one of the great bats, uh, like you mentioned for the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah. 295 career homers yeah. uh, is not to be sniffed at at all. Um Javi Baez, our weekly weekly mention that I tagged you in a little graph that I saw on Twitter last night, which seemed to be the pictures of Cotton Don that uh, the wider you throw it, the more you'll chase it. It, it seems to have uh, gone gone the other way even further. Um, and the the graph was uh, it made me laugh because there was a little bit of if you throw it outside the zone, Javi will chase it. Uh, and then some pictures thought, well, hang on. We throw it even wider and see what happens, and he just misses it by even further. Um, and the gap was just getting wider and wider and wider as the season goes on, as to how far away you could throw the ball from Javi, uh, and he'll still have a pop at it. Yeah, we got on to this. Uh, I mean, if you if you watch the game, especially you know Cubs games, and you know that, and we had mentioned this several times, is that if if Javi Bias connects with one, it's going to go. If not, if you throw it. Uh, you know, two or three feet out of the strike zone, he's still going to try and swing one for the fences. So I think that if he's able really to have that play discipline, that he can be a even better hitter and maybe, you know, get into that range of hitting 40 home runs or batting at a high average. I think that now being with the New York Mets, especially with their struggles on the, uh, in their batting lineup, I think that for him to chase these kind of pitches, it's really going to mean even more, if that makes sense, right? Because with the Cubs, you had, you know, your offense was okay when you had Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, uh, Wilson Contreras, those guys in the lineup. But when you're going to a team like the New York Mets and swinging at these type of pitches, especially with those other guys that are really struggling, you really have to find that plate discipline. And um, I know he's on the IL right now, he's injured and he's out, but um, if this team is going to have success and win the NL East division or even make some noise in the playoffs, they really got to find that play discipline with Javi Baez. Absolutely. Uh, one more little note here, it, because mainly because it's a player that uh, you certainly talked about quite a lot earlier in the season. I think uh-huh. you were quite fancied him for, for possible Cy Young. Uh, is Jack Flaherty, um, yeah. and he's back tomorrow night uh, pitching against Kansas City after a lengthy spell on the sidelines. This was a long time, right? Because I think initially or initially when he got injured, I believe it was only for 10 days. And then I think he got transferred to the 60-day IL. And then I think here we are 60 days later. Um, definitely a, a guy that early, very, very early on in the uh, season was probably up there with Jacob DeGrom for um, NL Cy Young. 
Um, but obviously when you miss about two plus months of the season, those odds are going to dwindle real quick. So um, hopefully that he's able to stay healthy because I'm sure the uh, St. Louis Cardinals can really use him um, as they kind of enter this stretch run, as we've talked about as a season, uh, kind of want to see where the Cardinals are in their division. Uh, I mean, there's still 10 and a half games back, so I'm not sure they're going to be able to catch the division, but as far as the wild card, um, there's still seven games out of, uh, of a place to, um, to make a wild card spot. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Flaherty. I mean, uh, you would, you would have rather had him, you know, sooner rather than later, you know, but, uh, good to have him back, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay, so we are amending our plans for this uh, episode on the fly, moon off. Uh, we've got some uh, issues with with our guest who's uh, been de- delayed at a family function. But that yeah. will not stop us cracking on with some of these division races, Munaf, that we've talked about. Like I say, they were dead ducks, supposedly. The books would have had you believe. Five of the six were dead ducks round about two months ago. Um but certainly, all of a sudden, now they're not. Uh, the White Sox look home and hosed. The Brewers look home and hosed. Uh, there's a couple we'll concentrate on tonight, though. Yeah. Um, so we'll start in the National League West, Moonaf. We've talked about it at the top of the show. What I've done is I've dragged out our um, notes from our pre-season podcast in front okay. of me. And now, here's a fun fact, which I've just uh, just come across in the last 30 seconds. Um the projected wins for the San Francisco Giants um, was 74 and a half. Yeah. Uh, and as we speak, they're sitting on 73. So with the win tonight, they could just about crack that projection. Um, however, they're going to do it with uh, with 50, 50 odd games to spare. So uh, fairly impressive stuff from San Francisco. Um, I've, we've written down, I've got written down over... I've got, I had them down for 77, so even I wasn't that high on them. And I scribbled it out. Uh, I've got enough to be competitive, is what my note says. Uh, yeah. With the 77 is the selection. And then there's a li- I've lined it out for some reason. Uh, something something caught my eye instead, and I've, I've lined out that 77. But uh, the Giants is just plodding along. Uh, it's the Padres who've dropped off. Now, I watched the Padres the other night. Um, and they were just a little bit anemic. Like They just uh, they were just lacking a spark. There was no Tatis. Uh, so Haas-Yong Kim was playing at shortstop. And they just didn't really have a spark, Munaf. Um, the Dodgers, four and a half games back. I mean, where are you going in the minute? You picked up you picked up a Giants ticket, didn't you? I did, and obviously I was really late to the party, but I, I still was able to manage four to one on one book and five to one on another book. But um, obviously if I picked it up, I mean, I don't think maybe many would have predicted this team to be this good at the beginning of the season unless you were just – betting it on value, but we've talked about this, you know, I mean, with, with the Giants, it's really that they don't have like the, on, the, on if you kind of go through the stats, if you, especially offensively, like it doesn't pop out. Right. Cause you usually think of the national league, it's teams like the Dodgers that are going to be really good offensively. Um, you know, the Padres were another team that were supposed to be really good offensively. The Reds are another team. Um, you know, the Braves were supposed to be, but the, 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 the Giants, they're just kind of middle of the pack. And I think, you know, it's really been, again, we've talked about, it, it's been led by their pitching, you know, Kevin Gossman, Alex Wood, um, who am I missing on Anthony uh, Discalfani? Yeah. Tony Disco's good. Yeah. So uh, Johnny Quaid has been yeah. pitching well. So it's really been done by their pitching and they're just finding ways to win games and, um, now they're out to a four and a half game lead in the uh, National League West. And they, if you kind of take a look at their remaining schedule, I mean, they still have the ninth toughest schedule, but then the Padres are number two and the Dodgers are um, the Dodgers are they have I believe they have like a 10th or 13th easiest schedule, 10th easiest schedule. So it's going to be getting close down to the wire. You know, when you get to those games where the the Dodgers and the um, Giants get together, it's really going to feel like a uh, a playoff series because they know that that's those games right there may just determine who wins that NL West division. Yeah, absolutely. Looking at um, the, the the preseason pick, um, the line through the um, Giants seventy seven. Oh, we went went for the the Giants over, then put a line through it. Um, mm-hmm. But I think we alighted on 
a different way of skinning the same cat, really, was that uh, we went for the Dodgers under. Uh, now, the Dodgers were projected to win 102 and a half games, which is a 717 percentage, which is very, very high. Uh, so I, we had them down at 98. Um, now, I'm yeah. not even sure they're going to get to that. The currently percentage is 600. Um, so... I don't think I certainly don't think they're going to get that uh, 102 and a half record. So um, really, they're taking that Giants over all the the Dodgers under. What sort of one one begets the other one? They kind of go hand in hand because uh, it's the Giants have been taking those games off the Dodgers. So uh, we kind of got the right decision um, by hook or by crook in there. Uh, but it's been a fascinating race, um, and it's the the the, the Padres upside players are the ones who haven't really. They were the ones who were going to make the difference. Um, in the, in the notes here, we've got their upside players as Denelson Lamette. Well, they haven't had barely anything out of him. He was, he was an injury risk, but he was someone who could make the difference for them. Uh, Jake Cronenworth has done okay. Um, and then even still in Dar- um, Blake Snell had a had a stellar out in last time. More of Snell later when it comes to the picks. There's a little teaser for you. Uh, you Darv has been frustrating me. I've had a close eye on him. Um, because he's been in my fantasy team, and he just hasn't done quite enough. He's got, he's got an average pitching record. Uh, his wins and loss record isn't great. They just haven't been getting it done. So their upside players haven't had it done. So um, our pre-season analysis, analysis uh, wasn't a million miles away uh, from this. Uh, the second one we were mm-hmm. going to talk about a little bit more in depth, Moonaf, uh, is back to your Red Sox, this AL East division. Now, Tampa have opened up a, a useful-looking lead, uh, a four-game lead at the moment. Yeah, They are 7-3 and three for their last 10. Um, there are no real clues. I mean, Toronto are hanging around. Toronto are 8-2. Toronto are a team that I tipped up when we talked about it last. Uh, it's the team I thought were most likely um, to give Tampa uh, a run for their money. But um, how do you feel about it? Where do, where do you think this is headed? Yeah, obviously, you know, since the trade deadline, it, the offense has really disappeared. And I know Boston Capper has really been giving me shit in the MLB Slack channel that the um, the front office wasn't willing to spend uh, at the trade deadline to go out and get a player or a bat in this lineup to improve this team. Uh, there was rumors that they wanted to get Anthony Rizzo, but then the um, the Yankees come in, came in and, and took him away from the Cubs. Um, but it's just been a rough stretch for them. And now all of a sudden they're out to a four game lead are the Rays over the Red Sox. Um, it's tough, but you know, I think the saving grace right now for the Red Sox is going to be that you have Chris sale starting tomorrow. Uh, sorry, on Saturday against the Baltimore Orioles. At some point you're going to get Carl Schwarber back in this lineup also. So that may provide some spark. And then you also got to keep in mind that they have the fifth easiest remaining schedule uh, rest of the way during these 50 games. So um, hopefully this is just their offense, just that's in a funk. I mean, you know, you can't keep up the offensive numbers that they were putting up early on in the season. It, that's just really tough to do. But if they're able to kind of find a, a groove and kind of get these bats uh, going again, I think they'll be able to uh, – climb back in this race against the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, for the Rays, I think their remaining schedule um, is, uh, let's see where they are. Yeah, they have, a, they have an easier schedule too, but not as easy as the Boston Red Sox. I think the one team, the other two teams we kind of want to keep an eye on is going to be the uh, New York Yankees and the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, um, again, harking back to our note, and do you not think this is maybe the way that the Red Sox have done it? Because pre-season, they're projected uh, 80 wins. They're, they're a 500 team. They're 18-1 to 1 to win the division. So if I tell you that in on April the 1st, mm-hmm. and then we're sitting here now, yep. um, and they're at 66 and 50, you'd be, would you, you'd be delighted, wouldn't you? So is it the way that they've gone off in... And then sort of come back to the field. Maybe if they'd gone to the middle of May mm-hmm. and there were 500, and now all of a sudden they found themselves so many get up to 569. Um, again, you'd be delighted. But is yeah. it just the way that they, they were further ahead and have come back that has to lead you to being a little bit disappointed? Because otherwise, it's all, all the signposts are positive. 
Yeah. It, it almost seems like the, the, like from the beginning of the season up till about the trade deadline, they were they were on cruise control. Like they were winning games, they were winning series, and then all of a sudden after the trade deadline, I guess it kind of regressed back to the mean. But I think you know one thing that you talked about was um, that I, I think the it was either their expected wins or the, or the luck factor for them was a high, very high variance that they were really outperforming of what was going on. But at least for the Red Sox, and I'll let you get to this, is that um, they did have the most uh, come from behind wins of any teams up until the trade deadline. So I think that goes into that kind of luck factor and, you know, just running into teams that have bad bullpens and, and for them to come back and win in those late games. So I think that's really what really stockpiled wins for them to where they were before the Rays kind of just went on a hot streak and then, you know, uh, started winning uh, games also. Oh, yeah, one of the huge uh, disparities uh, when you look at the expanded standings is this expected win-loss between Boston and Toronto. Um, so um, Boston do have a four-game lead over Toronto at this point. Um, but Boston's expected win-loss is 62-54. and 54, So that's four games they could have reasonably expected to lose that they've won. Toronto's is 69-44. and 44, So that's seven games the other way. Um, so... All things being equal, if that luck metric was balanced, uh, Toronto would have a seven-game lead over Boston, uh, which is quite astonishing. And actually, if you look at the run differential, uh, Toronto's is plus 132, uh, Boston's is plus 41. So that's, what, 91 runs more? 91 runs would probably win, should win you seven extra games. Yeah. Um, And again, I'm not... uh, the, the pre-season pod, you know, Munaf, I think we might have done okay. It might be worth sort of going back and having, having another little listen because a lot of the notes that we made and talked about, um, there's quite a lot of salient stuff in here. Um, we've got the Tampa Bay, uh, the rotation was our concern and the rotation we've got listed here is Archer, Wacker and Hill. Well, Archer never pitched. Yeah. Uh, Rich Hill is now on another club and Wacker, we were fading uh, sort of minus 200 or whatever day he was, um, whatever price he was last week. Um, Toronto, we've got uh, a rotation that's not deep. Well, they've moved to address that. Young stars who shit the bed in the playoffs. Um, <laughs> and then Boston, um, good middle order, Verdugo, Martinez, Bogart and Devers, which is exactly the the people who have carried them so far. Um, we expect a good season from Yavaldi in the need A-Rod to step up. Um, yeah. We could have recorded that tonight. You know, and every word is just as relevant as it was when we recorded that in the middle of March. Yeah, and I, I think we hit the nail on the head, right? And my biggest concern coming in for the Red Sox team was going to be their pitching. And, you know, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez hasn't been the guy that they hope to be. Um, you know, Ivaldi has been pretty good this season for their Red Sox, probably their best pitcher. Uh, and the other guys are kind of just filling out that rotation, right, with Martin Perez and uh, they, they brought up Tanner Houck. Um, so, uh, you know, for, I, I wish that I'd gone out and got another pitcher, a stellar pitcher and during the straight deadline. Uh, but again, like I've said over and over again, getting Chris Sell back is going to be huge. Hopefully he's able to stay healthy coming off that injury. Um, but I think more so this, um, this Toronto Blue Jays team is what really excites me. Yeah, absolutely. I think they could, uh, they could finish like a train and that move for Berrios, uh, all of a sudden looks a thousand times more sensible uh, than it did. Um, I know as you're listening to this, um, you'll have already uh, seen what's going on, but there's some live stuff going on, uh, which is quite exciting for us. The Red Sox have just fallen behind again, Moonaf. Yeah. Uh, but the Mets have blown another lead. They were 4-1 up oh, uh, wow. and are now. It's back down to 4-4 in the top of the seventh uh, in the back half of that double header. Um, um, looking across the, the other divisions, and like you say, White Sox have gone... Um, Houston, Oakland's the other one. Uh, Oakland will not go away, Munaf. Yeah, this is crazy. I think they were out what to an eight and a half game lead, and uh, all of a sudden now they are only one and a half games back. Um, but I think you know the uh, Astros are missing their their pitching has kind of really regressed. Uh, they're missing, uh, you know, um, Framber Valdez has regressed. Jose Arcady has been out. Um, so you know the pitching performance that they were having early on in the season just hasn't panned out as the season now it kind of has progresses here, but they're also missing Alex Bregman in this lineup, right? And that's one of your best batters. So uh, he's been making uh, rehab starts over the past couple of weeks. Hopefully he's back next week uh, for the Astros and 
You know, for the Astros, I think, you know, if you take a look at the remaining strength of schedule that they have the third easiest schedule remaining in the entire America, sorry, entire MLB, the Oakland A's have the fifth hardest schedule still. So um, I think it's going to be fine. I know we're starting to sweat here a little bit, but I think I'm not worried about this because I think the Astros are due to, you know, win seven, eight games in a row or possibly, you know, get, you know, 10 out of 12 or something like that, you know? Uh, finally, just a little word on the NL East. Uh, the Mets are suddenly in third place, uh, having had it locked up a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Philly have beaten the Dodgers tonight to maintain a half-game lead over the Braves, who were plodding along. Um, it's not very um, top-quality baseball, but it's certainly exciting. I mean, the Philly's at top of that division with a percentage of 522. Uh, but it's certainly exciting, and... Uh, it's there for the take, and someone's just got to take this by the scruff of the neck. Go and win eight in a row. They could they could win it in the next in the next fourteen days. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly think I think this is going to be another race that kind of comes down to the wire. Also, um, you know, you just kind of take a look at what we were talking about when we uh, did the second half preview show. Is that I said to look out for this Phillies team because they have the easiest schedule remaining, and they still do in the entire uh, American, sorry, the entire MLB. Um, you know, for the uh, Braves, I don't think we've talked about them enough because for them, they could have easily caved because they lost um, Ronald Acuna Jr. for the season, but they went out and got two big bats. The return of Adam Duvall to this team and then also um, getting uh, Jorge Soler. So the bats have been good. Their pitching has been good. Now they're what leading in that um, they're only what half a game back in the national league East, um, the Mets I feel like they're still trying to figure things out. And then we talked about with the Mets is that as sooner or later, their lack of offense was going to catch up to them. And yeah. I think it finally has now, right? Yeah. Uh, the, the stats for, uh, when they've got runners in score and position were horrible, they can't get a two out hit or a two out RBI. And uh, there's just so many red flags, but, um, and, and then there's the, the, the huge glaring stat of the their run scored, which we've brought up uh, quite a few weeks running. But uh, but you just keep looking at the names, or the names you're just expecting them to hit. Uh, you go down that line, it went Nimmo's back. Nimmo's given them a little bit of a spark uh, just the last couple of days. And then you thought James McCann was coming into a little bit of form. Um, Bias Lindor going to split some time there, or share second and short, and neither of them can on the field long enough. Michael yeah. Conforto's hitting something like 207 or uh, 209 or something horrible like that. Uh, normally far more reliable. Now, J.D. Davis has just come back uh, fairly recently uh, for the Mets. Now, he's a player I like and he could spring, uh, he could spur them into life a little bit. Uh, Dom Smith's going along okay. And Peter Alonso's just not really, not really done it either. So, um, the pitching's been keeping them in it. Um, and I still think, I'm still okay with them. Like, I'd be taking, as as discussed last week, the what were they plus one seventy five, maybe something like that. Yeah, I still think they're the, by far the most likely team uh, to get this done. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, if you're brave enough, it's uh, it's certainly going to be a bigger knee trembler. I'm not as confident as you are for some reason on this Mets team. I, I just need, I just feel like we're kind of also waiting for their bats to wake up and it just hasn't happened right now for them. But, you know, who knows? They can maybe flip the switch in these final 50 to 52 games and they could run away with the division or, or you know, at least win it. But um, until I see it, I just can't get behind this Mets team. I'm still backing my Phillies, uh, my Phillies pick. I just think the Braves and the Phillies have got two or three ways where they can let themselves down. Yeah. Um, and I don't think the Mets have. Uh, so it's really uh, it's a bit of a Hobson's choice, and it's more due to the due to the lack of competition or a, or a, a dearth of alternatives. But uh, time will tell, Moonaf. Time will ten. Uh, if you're ready to win money and boost your odds, win bet is live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports. NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, golf, MMA, WNBA. Great promos, odds, and payouts happening right now at WinBet. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, we have what you need to win. Download Bet and Win. Download the WinBet app at wynnbet.com to start winning. 
We're brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Football season is about to kick off and PropSwap is here to make this your best season ever. With PropSwap, your bet doesn't need to win in order to make money. It just needs to improve. For example, last year, Mac Jones was 25-1 to 1 to win the Heisman Trophy. And then by November, he became the favourite. A prop swap customer who bet $100 on Mac before the season sold that Heisman ticket on prop swap for 1000 bucks, cashing out at the right time before Devonta Smith ran away from the field. Think of prop swap like the stock market, but for sports betting, buy low, sell high. The average seller on prop swap makes over $500 per month just listing and selling tickets. And when making your bets, remember to go for two. Make two tickets on the same team so you can sell one for a profit and keep one to leave yourself some skin in the game. Get started today by going to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app. PropSwap is where America buys and sells sports bets. The Summer of Soccer continues on Paramount+. Plus. Stream over 2,000 soccer matches a year from around the world. That's all the heart-pounding drama from CBS Sports, including the UEFA Champions League, Europa League, Italy, Syria... Argentina's Primera División, the Brasileiro, NWSL, the Asian Football Confederation and the CONCACAF qualifiers, featuring the stars from the US and the Mexican men's national teams, plus much more. It's the best of the beautiful game, with all the beautiful names like Messi, Mbappe, Ronaldo, Rapino and Pulisic. Be part of the excitement as champions are crowned and history is made. The world's game lives here on Paramount+. Plus. Visit ParamountPlus.com to start your free trial and stream every match live. Munaf, I went 100% on those fancy pronunciations. You did, and I had to read, uh, I had to do it for the NFL podcast because I started hosting that one. So yeah. I had to do it a couple of times before uh, I had to submit the uh, roles there, but you seem like a natural at it. It took me like four or five times just to... Uh, <laughs> Just to get that ad read out, man. It's a difficult one. Well, that ad now normally segues into our 30-second uh, uh, football chat because the Premier League's back tomorrow, Munaf. You're going to catch any of it? Are you excited? Yeah, I'm excited. You know, I, I honestly got into soccer last year, um, especially, you know, you know, I think soccer was one of the once one uh, sports that started um, – they kicked off after COVID. And, yeah. um, you know, I started watching – I think I really got involved over this last year, but prior years, you know, I would casually watch it. Um, but yeah, many of y'all know I'm a Liverpool fan. So hopefully, you know, they're able to compete mm-hmm. again this year. Um, uh, hopefully uh, I know for sure they will be better than your, uh, your team, right? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. We finish in front of anybody. I'll be stunned. We spent some money today. Oh. Uh, I nearly fell off my chair. Um, <laughs> spent twenty five million pounds, which is not a lot of money in modern day football. Uh, but for Newcastle, it's an absolute king's ransom on um, Joe Willock from Arsenal, who was here. He was here on loan last season and actually broke a little record. He scored in seven consecutive games towards the end of the season, um, so he became a bit of a darling with the fans. And um, yeah, they've gone out and bought him. But he's the only player we've brought in. Uh, everyone else has done a whole load of business, uh, and we've brought in one player, but. Uh, we play West Ham on Sunday lunchtime. Uh, so hopefully by Sunday night, uh, I'll have recovered enough from however many we get beat to uh, to talk to you about it uh, on Sunday night. But yeah, it starts tomorrow night, uh, Friday night, Brentford v Arsenal. So I think I'll stick some uh, picks in tally site as well. Um, I've got that new season enthusiasm uh, where I think I've got it all worked out. So um, I'll stick my, my picks in tally site. Uh, so if you want to have a look and follow, uh, if you're looking at the MLB picks, by all means, get across to the soccer. And I'm sure there's a couple of other SGPN analysts who stick the soccer picks in there too. Uh, okay, Munaf. Um, what's happening this week across uh, this weekend? Series that have caught our eye, pitching matchups, uh, things like that. The first one mm-hmm. uh, stands out to me is the the Dodgers and the Mets, we say the Mets need to get better uh, quickly, and this yeah. isn't going to be particularly easy for them. Yeah, this is going to be a tall order for them. Uh, yeah, they have uh, Julio Urias starting for the Dodgers tomorrow night. He's been really good for them, not really talked about because he's kind of in that bottom of that rotation for the uh, Dodgers. 
And then you have probably the Cy Young favorite going Saturday for the Dodgers, Walker Bueller against uh, the Battle of the Walkers huh, on Saturday night. Yeah. And then Sunday, I believe Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer's good yeah, on so Sunday. That's yeah. going to be a, definitely a tall order for the New York Mets. Um, I think another one that kind of sticks out is going to be that Yankees and White Sox series. I know they're kicking off tonight uh, in that Field of Dreams game. Uh, which will be fun to see, um, you know, some pretty good matchups there also, both good offenses and uh, a couple of good pitchers going in that series. Um, Give us a quick prediction on that Field of Dreams game, Moonaf. I know it's not going to be any use to people who are listening to the podcast, yeah. uh, but it's of use to me because I've got 58 minutes till first pitch. Uh, so we can have to time it on Sunday. Is it, is it a tiny little uh, diamond in the corner? Is it going to finish 17-12 or something? Ah. I'm seeing a lot of money coming in on the under, actually, under nine and a half. For some reason, my yeah, nine and a half on that total. Uh, For some reason, my gut is telling me, and uh, this is the only time I will pick the Yankees to win a game. I just, I know Andrew Haney's on the mound, but there's just something that's telling me the Yankees win this game here tonight uh, against the White Sox in this Philip Doom. Is there not something in the the fact that they both are going to be on a like a strange mound. I'm just thinking back to that London game last year, and I mean that finished. There was millions of runs in that. Both there was about was 17 runs Red in the Sox, first right? inning, wasn't there? And everyone and they just blamed the fact that both pitchers were on a strange on a strange mound in a strange place. So if that's a legit thing, uh, then that's surely got to add to it too. Well, you don't think that strange mountain is going to help Andrew Haney since he's been crap all week or all season? Well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I, – I know. I think it's the Yankees are a big plus money dog. I know they're going up against Lance Lynn and Andrew Haney's on the mound, but something just tells me that the Yankees' uh, bats might just get going there and uh, they take care of business. I think this might be one of those games where Andrew Haney kind of comes out and, and, and pitches well for them. But um, – I think those are the kind of the series that kind of stick out to me. Did you see anything that excites you? No, it's just the, the, the really the chances for teams. The Red Sox get the Orioles, yeah. um, so they really need to go to town on them. Um, the, I mean, uh, the Athletics have the Rangers, mm-hmm. uh, so they can they could close the gap. The Braves have got the Nationals who were dropping off. Um, so this it's these bad teams that we talked about that are going on these long losing streaks. Uh, the competitive one really is the Reds and the Phillies. Uh, I think the Reds could um, could cause the Phillies some problems. And actually, I think we both have a, a pick from that series uh, to talk about. So um, let's yeah. do it, Moonaf. Let's get into our into our picks. Um, last week was okay. Won three, lost three. Um, so I think that allows us to come back and uh, you lead us off, Moonaf. What have you got? Yeah, I'll start with my log for this weekend. It's going to be tomorrow night, Reds and Phillies. I'm going to take the under in this game. Zach Wheeler versus Trevor. How do you say his last name? Tyler Mahill? Tyler Marley. 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 There you go. See, I leave the pronunciations to to Malcolm. Um, Yeah, but for whatever reason, Molly's numbers on the road are far superior. I think this is really, really crazy to me is that his numbers – at home and road are sky and night difference. He has a 5.74 ERA at home and a 2.06 on the road. You would think that pitchers are more comfortable at home, but uh, for his case, uh, for whatever reason, he likes to pitch better on the road. But um, opponent batting average is 266 at home for him and then 192 on the road. So, you know, I'm, I'm backing that, you know, he again pitches well. Zach Wheeler, uh, possible Cy Young favorite now in the National League, along with Walker Buehler, is on the mound for the Phillies. The numbers are just incredible all across the board for Wheeler. 2.02 ERA at home. Uh, Reds are one of the best over teams in baseball, but as in a way underdog, and I fully expect they will be a huge underdog in this game going up against Zach Wheeler. Uh, the total is 18, 19, and 3 to the over. Um, Phillies at home this year to the total are 26, 29, and 2. Uh, both pitchers I think should do well here. And I like this to go under the total. I expect it to probably come around around uh, eight runs or so, but I, I like the under looking at it, maybe like a four, two final or, or something around those lines. Uh, I think Phillies do get the victory there. Um, as far as my dog, um, I'm taking big of a plunge here Friday. Also, 
Yeah, I've just would, noticed this. We would have sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rangers money line versus the Oakland A's. Cole Irvin on the mound versus Dan Dunning. Uh, this should be a huge plus money dog because the Rangers are so bad in the second half of the season. But Dan Dunning has been pretty good uh, pitching wise in the last month or so over the past month. For the Rangers, uh, he is 5-2 with a 2.51 ERA at home. Rangers have won five of his last six starts, which includes a 7-1 victory over the A's. Uh, Dunning this season pitched four innings, gave up three hits, zero runs against the A's. Not the biggest sample, but he has some sort of history against them. Uh, for the A's, Cole Arvin always on the mound. His numbers are pretty consistent, but his ERA against the Rangers is 4.24. Over 17 innings pitched. Um, prior to his last start, uh, the A's lost three out of his last four starts. Bit of a reach for me, um, but I, I think that Dan Dunning should pitch well. Hopefully, it's often shows up. So I'm going to take a bit of a five here. Hopefully, this comes out around a plus 160, plus 170 mark for the Texas Rangers. So uh, those will be my two picks Friday. Yeah, both picks going off on Friday, the lock, Reds and Phillies under, and then my dog also tomorrow, Rangers money line versus the Oakland A's. Um, that is a little gem that you would mind uh, on Friday night, that Rangers one, because you just that's something you just kind of gloss over. Um, you you look at the the overlying stats and you just wouldn't touch it with a barge pole. Um We'll get to this part of the season now where we've kind of got a little bit of previous with all these pitches as well. Uh, And certainly I remember taking Cole Irving very early on uh, as a lock uh, when he was fairly unknown and he did really well. And then I think you took Dane Dunning once or twice and he may have cost you. Um, But we knew that you took him because you knew that the underlying skills were there. Uh, He was a well-talked about prospect, which has obviously been uh, demonstrated in this little run of wins that he's put together. Uh, So the fact you've managed to dig down uh, drill down, uh, dust off um, all of that rubbish, Munaf, and fetch us a, a, a real live dog. Um, I admire that a lot. So good luck with those. Um, I'm going to stay with the Reds Philly series and go to Saturday night, uh, which is um, my selection is going to be the Reds on the money line. Um, Luis Castillo against the Phillies uh, and Matt Moore. I think this should be a fairly decent price. The fact that the Phillies have been rolling. Uh, the Phillies been on a good stretch, so that'll shorten them up a little bit. Uh, and Castillo came off a bad start last time out. Um, real season of two halves for Castillo. He was probably the worst pitcher uh, over the first six weeks or so. Um, the worst pitcher of those who people expected to be really good anyway. Um, at the end of May, his ERA was 7.61. He's managed to whittle that down now to 4.53. Uh, with a 6-11 and 11 record. Um, he'd been on a great run until his last start, um, where he really struggled against the Indians, gave up eight, earned over 3.1. And, but that's the outlier. Uh, that starts the outlier. And I'm hoping that that start makes the price a little bit um, here for us. Um, that was only the third time in his last 11 starts that he's given up over two runs. Uh, so I'm happy that uh, Castillo can bounce back here. Uh, Matt Moore, on the other hand, um, one and three record with a 6.69 ERA. Uh, he's been used in relief. Uh, he's been used as a piggyback starter uh, and he's he's been used as a traditional starter. Uh, in those nine games that he has started, he's got zero wins. Um, the Reds have an explosive offense. Um, I'm still kind of out on the Phillies, uh, so I'm happy to take the Reds in this position. Um my dog, um, and it's uh, in danger of becoming a bit predictable, yeah? I'm back on the D-backs, Moon up, uh, looking for big value, the same as yourself. We're looking for a big one. We're looking for a, a 160, a 170. Um, and it's Friday night. Madison Bumgarner goes against Blake Snell and the Padres. Uh, Mad Bum, 6-7 and seven with a 4.42 ERA. Um He's only given up seven earned runs in his last 32 innings uh, since he returned from the IL. Um, that ERA is quite lopsided because he got shelled a little bit uh, before he went out early in the season. Um, his last start was against the Padres. It was this week. Um, Bumgarner faced Snell this week. He kept everybody quiet except Cronenworth. 
uh, for San Diego, who drove in both runs uh, as the Padres beat the D-backs 2-0. Now, this to me is a massive letdown spot for Blake Snell. Um, he'd been muddling along all season, been bang average, and then all of a sudden had this breakout performance. Um 13 strikeouts uh, last week against the Di- against the Diamondbacks, winning that pitching duel with Bumgarner. Uh, but overall, six and four with a 4.83 ERA. Um, so again, I think that's the outlier. Um, I think Lewis Castillo's start for the Reds was an outlier. I think the Snell start is an outlier. Um, is July ERA? Uh, Blake Snell was exactly six with a 1.83 whip. And as I mentioned about 40 minutes ago, uh, I watched the Padres last night and they just looked a bit wet. Um, Tatis was out and the, the, the hitters, Grisham, Myers, Hosmer, just looked very average. So I was happy for uh, the, the D-backs getting hanging with them. And maybe um, it's only we're only looking at a two-run swing. Uh, over that game that was played on um, Monday night, I think it was. So I think at a big price, we can get the two-run swing. Um, I was going to throw a little bonus dog in as well, which is um, the Tigers against the Indians on the same night, um, where Tyler Alexander takes on Zach Plezak. Just because Plezak has lost it, uh, he's someone I've watched, uh, someone I've got fantasy shares in. Um, He had it, and he's just currently lost it. Uh, And the Tigers... um, uh, fairly feisty at the moment. They've been going along okay. Uh, we mentioned Cabrera. Um, they're in the lead tonight. Uh, they're six two ahead. They've won. They've won the last two. They're six and four in the last ten. Uh, I think they will be dogs. Um, so I'll just keep an eye on that one. It's not my official dog, uh, but I think the Tigers have got a real chance because Plezak is just struggling. Uh, so we'll take Luis Castillo um, against the Phillies on Saturday. Uh, we'll take Mad Bum against the Padres and Snell uh, on Friday night. Munaf. Yeah, Castillo, it's been, a, like you mentioned, a tale of two halves for him, right? Because he just got off to an atrocious start. And I think going back to last season when he was supposed to be the ace pitcher, he was almost in Cy Young form in the start of the season. It was you, you know, it was at like almost a Matt Harvey level for him. And all of a sudden, he just kind of turned it around and, you know, he kind of regressed back to the mean, you know, in his last start. But you're going to have those starters. They're going to have those one or two bad starts. So, um, I think he should get back on his horse against the Phillies. Um, and again, you know, I, I, I backed uh, Madison Bumgarner, I think, you know, last week or the prior week against the Giants. And, you know, he pitched well against them. And I think we're going back to the same narrative that it's the, it's the San Diego Padres that it's it's the name again, right? Because you have Fernando Tatis. A lot of people might not know he's on the I.L. right now. So it's, it's just a part of the San Diego Padres name that's been so popular this week. Um, uh, you know, Malcolm thought that my dog pick was so bad that he had to throw out a bonus dog pick for me. So, uh, <laughs> you see giggling over there, but, um, yeah, man, we always like to give out bonus picks here. You know, it's not going to be an official pick, but if that pick does, uh, his dog number two wins and my dog loses, I'll be claiming that. You can, yeah, you can, uh, you can buy it <laughs> off me, Moon. I'll let you, I'll rent it. I'll rent the glory to you for a little while. There we go. Uh, Scott Reichel. Uh, has sent his picks in. He did exactly the same as us last week. Uh, one winner, one loser. Uh, so let's see what Scotty Two Hot he's got for us this week. Hey guys, Scott Rochelle back here again with your lock and dog for the weekend. Quickly recapping how we did during the week. We ended up going one and one. So look for a sweep here over the weekend. And starting off with the lock, looking at Saturday's card, we like the Athletics on the mon- on the run line against the Texas Rangers. Oakland has won each of its last seven games. Texas has lost eight of its last nine games. Caprillion's on the mound for Oakland. So far this season, been pretty solid against the Rangers. 23 innings pitched, 3.52 ERA. Meanwhile, Jordan Wiles is pitching for Texas in addition to being terrible overall. He's also struggled against Oakland. 17 and one-third innings pitched, 5.19 ERA. We think Oakland rolls to a nice, easy, multiple-run victory on Saturday. And looking at the dog on Friday, looking at the Dimebacks, first five money line against the Padres. Looking at the starting pitching matchup, you have Bumgarner on the mound for Arizona. Last three starts, 21 innings pitched, 2.14 ERA. Meanwhile, you have Blake Snell pitching for the Padres. So far this season, 7.36 ERA on the road. I expect him to struggle once again on the highway in the start. Other than that, though, that is your lock and dog for the weekend. Let it ride. There you go. Cheers for those, Scott. Appreciate it. Um, And Munaf, that has got us... To the end of the show, as always, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, Subscribe to the Apple podcast. Leave, rate, review, like, and subscribe. All of that malarkey. 
really important. Um, the football stuff's coming out. I noticed uh, Moon after you had a, you had an article followed up. I did the I did the Jags this week. Who, who was the team that you followed up with? I had my uh, Houston Te- or former my Houston Texans. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I followed you up uh, uh, with the same division team, the Houston Texans. So uh, I think we're grinding out all of the NFL teams as we kind of lead up to the NFL season here. But a lot's going on, over, especially at sportsgamblingpodcast.com and within our Slack channel and in the entire you know network. College football starting, NFL starting. We're still grinding away MLB here, NBA offseason. Uh, the golf season is winding down for those guys. They're still grinding out picks and putting out podcasts. And uh, if you haven't checked out the fantasy football podcast yet, I know there's going to be a lot of people that are going to have to have drafts coming up uh, this, this month with their respective leagues. And if you're getting into the underdog fantasy uh, best ball um, uh, drafts there, they have a, tons and tons of contact. Check out my man, Rod on the fantasy football podcast. I was on with him to talk about defenses um, yesterday. So that was a fun podcast, but man, Malcolm, so much is going on and now we have soccer and football starting up. So busy times we can say, right. This is the most exciting month of, I think you can say the year for sports. Absolutely. I've been binging the um, fantasy football, uh, really trying to catch up uh, and Rod's been churning out so much content. Uh, I've been on. I've been in the car for about five hours today, and just had a uh, fantasy football rods content. I caught up with about eight different topics today, uh, so that's all swimming around my head. I've got bits of paper all over the car, bits tucked down my sock with the names of third string tight ends on it, all sorts uh, things written on my leg that I can't make out. Uh, so I've, I've been I've been frantically trying to get up to speed. Um, and yeah, if you if you're looking for a, an EPL future. Um, the Soccer Gambling Podcast. You've probably got about 24 hours uh, to get involved in those as well. Billy will be chucking out all sorts of stuff. Uh, has an imperious record. Um, so, yeah, get stuck into that as well. And I'm sure we'll be chatting um, across all the sports. I mean, there's not much we don't uh, we don't cover and talk about. So, uh, Slack channels, DFS contests. Um, I'm going to try and play NASCAR again on Sunday as well, Moon. If I need there another vice, that's just the thing we need. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, if there's there's definitely something for you. Um, have a good weekend. Enjoy the Field of Dreams game. Uh, and we will catch up on Sunday night to analyse our picks and see where we went right or wrong. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you down the road. Cheers. <laughs>